We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. My name is Bethany Lee, and this is episode number 17. We're doing something a little different today for this episode because it is the first solo episode on the Equestrian Podcast. Yep, I am your guest and host today. Today, I wanted to give you some real talk. One, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my story and how I got into the professional position I'm in today in the equestrian industry, but I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about anxiety as a young professional and having the sinking feeling that you can't measure up to the industry standards. If that strikes a chord with you, I am so excited for you to listen. All right, how's it going? My name is Bethany and I am the guest for today. And I am so excited to talk to you a little bit about my story, uh, how I grew up and how I uh, came to the position I am in today. And hopefully if this is anything similar to you throughout my story, hopefully it'll be helpful to you. So I've been riding my entire life. I am the typical horse girl who started riding when uh, she was four or five years old. So I have always been in the hunter-jumper discipline. And my older sister, Bridget, rode horses. And that was, I guess, the main motivation which made me start wanting to ride as well. So I started riding and taking lessons and went to a couple different barns in southeastern Wisconsin. So shout out to my Wisconsin girls. I love it and miss it, but I do not miss the winters at all. I was riding all the way through grade school and high school and um, grew up kind of in the hunters. I had a chestnut thoroughbred mare that we got from the track who was, you know, as you can imagine, crazy and really, really fast. So I distinctly remember doing the long stirrup and my trainer at the time, uh, Kristen Youngblood, shout out to Kristen. I was yeah doing the long stirrup with my thoroughbred Scarlet and, uh, you know, we were just like doing our thing and she was wild and crazy. And I, if I remember correctly, we were doing four strides in a six stride line throughout the entire course. So I'll give myself consistency, but I somehow managed to get champion in the equitation division, which was just such a funny highlight with this very uh, hard to manage horse. So that's something that I remember growing up that I was like in tears because of how fast my horse was just racing around. And then I heard over the loudspeaker that um, I won the equitation division. So you know what? I'll take it. But uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, In high school, I was riding, um, doing longer term leases and dabbling more into the equitation and jumpers. Um, Nothing crazy as far as show schedule is concerned, but um, just doing uh, locally in Wisconsin, Illinois, that sort of thing. So 
went to college in Ohio and went to school in the middle of cornfields. Uh, Cedarville University is a small private Christian college. And so there were really no uh, horse farms in sight, um, at least uh, hunter jumper or um, ones that would be a good fit. So I made the decision to take a little break from riding. And I think secretly my parents thought that I was done riding. Joke's on you, mom and dad. I am in it for the long haul now, but I was just deciding to take a break. I, I had been, you know, riding almost every day since I was a little kid. And it's, it's good to take breaks from, from things that you are so invested in for a long period of time. So that was good. I was able to focus on school and make some great friends, uh, meet my husband, take some trips and, and do some things that I didn't do as much of growing up because I was so focused on riding. So I uh, really hadn't thought that much about riding um, besides when I was home from breaks and, you know, just the overall feeling of missing it or wanting to go see some ponies or things like that. But it was just kind of I, I was kind of removed from the situation and it was nice to take a break. So then fast forward to the end of my college career. I was an intern at a jewelry company in California the summer going into my senior year, and I loved it, loved fashion. I've always been interested in fashion. My mom always says she would used to find me sitting in the middle of my closet when I was like five years old with like seven layers of full outfits on. And um, I would just like insist on wearing all of these layers of outfits around the house. And I mean, she was really cool and let me like go to the grocery store, the bank or things like that, that other people were probably looking at are funny. Like you literally let your kid go out like this. I loved, I loved putting outfits together, have been since I was really little. The fashion industry seemed like a no-brainer. I had a degree in communications, and um, that seemed to be the next route. So got an amazing opportunity to work for uh, Jennifer Meyer Jewelry in California, and I loved that. Um, they ended up offering me a full-time position after graduation. So graduated in May of 2015, got married three weeks later, and then after our honeymoon, my husband Ethan and I moved out to California to start my job full-time at Jennifer Jennifer Meyer. So I was doing that, uh, was there about eight months and long story short, I loved Jen. I loved the jewelry line. The office life just was not for me. And so I just didn't drive well with the dynamic and yeah, wasn't loving the office. So I ended up quitting and was left kind of really depleted. Um, didn't have a lot of joy coming from my work. And um, my parents and my husband were really encouraging about trying to find something that I was passionate about again to really start enjoying my work. I'm a full advocate for having to love what you do because we spend so much of our lives doing our professional job and our work. And our businesses that you better like it. Otherwise, the majority of your life is going to be pretty miserable. So kind of looking back and and thinking about things that I was passionate about is when uh, horses came back into the picture. And uh, I was just so miserable. And I'm like, you know, something with riding would be really cool. So at this point, I had taken four years off of riding or th maybe three, three or four. But regardless, it was a long time. All my muscle was gone. You know, I 
was essentially, besides mentally, physically, I was starting from scratch again. So I ended up reaching out to a couple private farms in California if they needed um, an assistant or an exercise rider or something like that. I would Google loca- locations of barns in Malibu and in, California, uh, in Los Angeles in the Valley uh, where I was living at the time and just trying to find a place where I could at least get back into the swing of, of riding again. After lots of calls and emails, I had one lady reach out. Uh, She finally called me back and said, hey, I don't need anyone, but there's this guy I know of who has a really big program, and he always needs people to help ride, so I will pass his info along. And I was like, sure, sure. At this point, I was you know, thinking, like, maybe I'll nanny. Maybe I'll do something like this uh, uh, until I find something. I was kind of starting to give up on the whole idea. So a couple weeks later, later, a man called me and this was Nick Karazisis and he called and um, was wondering if I was looking for a position. He got um, my information from that lady. And so I came in and um, had three or four interviews with him. And one of, thank goodness, one of them was supposed to be, uh, that was uh, riding for him. And I'm really glad that I ended up riding in a different arena than where he was because I was, I'm sure, all over the place. And if for any of you who have taken a long break to riding and come back, it is one of the most frustrating things of your mind telling you what you need to do and your body just won't do it effectively. So definitely it was a learning curve again to reestablish that muscle, but thankfully the feel and the, the mental riding was all there still. So he graciously gave me a position and at this point I was, you know, just getting back into riding again and uh, very quickly he had me, you know, riding you know, eight to 10 horses a day. And that very quickly got my muscle back. But one of the most amazing experiences was working at Far West Farms with Nick that uh, he uses the uh, speaker headphone system. And Nick is a clinician. He travels all around uh, teaching clinics and he's just an amazing teacher. I don't know if he would want me to share his age, but he's been doing it for a really long time since he was like 16 years old. So he has a ton of knowledge and he would uh, basically clip in a microphone and he'd ride, you know, his four or five a day, but he would be talking to me the entire time and, and his other exercise riders, we'd all have headphones. And so it would really feel like I was having like 10 lessons a day. So it was extremely beneficial. I learned so much and became such a strong rider because because of his teaching. And so I started working under him as an exercise rider. I'd ride a bunch of horses a day, take a little lunch break, and then I'd come back in the afternoon. And after a short time of riding there, I started taking over some of the riding lessons in the riding school. So I worked in the lower ring with Chris, shout out to Chris. And I was teaching lessons, you know, up-down lessons, some kids who were just getting on a horse for the first time. And by the time I left Far West, some of them were jumping around, little courses. And it was just so cool to start kids out from uh, never being on a horse before to be jumping around and just seeing their love for these animals develop and their love for the sport was so cool and such a good experience. So after being at Far West, I was there um, about two years, I realized that this was going to be 
you know, part of the rest of my life. I knew I wanted uh, riding and training to be a part of my career moving forward. So Ethan was at the time involved in financial advising. He has a degree in finance and super introverted. We're like pretty much opposite personalities. And uh, we had also been doing wedding photography in LA because for anyone that lives in LA, it is very expensive. So we were doing that on the side and we had both gotten into photography in college. So we were, we were really into it too. So we were booking weddings, but he was also doing financial advising, super introverted, realized that financial advising is about 90% sales. So just not his gig, uh, switched over to real estate investing and loved that. Uh, wanted to get into flipping and own, owning rental properties. But again, 24 year olds in LA can't really afford the houses that LA has to offer. So long story short, we ended up moving to Florida and Ethan grew up coming to Jacksonville, Florida a week in the summer every year. His aunt and uncle live in Ponte Vedra. So he knew he loved the area and we knew from being in the Midwest for college that we did not want to go back up to the Midwest again. We did not like those winters. So we decided to move to Florida And I was very hesitant at first because my brother and sister-in-law and niece live in California and loved my job, loved my friends, just loved living in LA. And so it was a really hard thing to do, but I love Florida now. It's It's a great place. Still kind of hoping to move back to California eventually someday. But for now, love Florida. Um, Ethan's really able to thrive here with flipping houses and owning rental properties. And I get to help out with some of those as well. Although not the heavy lifting, I'm more of a final touch, maybe some paint colors type of person when it comes to flipping houses, but very, very fun. Um, He's very good at what he does. And we ended up retiring from wedding photography when we moved to Florida and we kept all of our gear because little did we know that he was going to be taking pictures of me at least once a week. (laughs) So I was, we just moved to Florida, knew I wanted to find a training job was, uh, the riding world was a lot different here in Northern Florida than it was in California. And so at first I was just riding for different trainers in Jacksonville, just kind of hopping around different barns, exercise, riding a lesson here, lesson there, you know, doing some, some training, but nothing major. And then I received a call from a man who was training out of Cincinnati. Shout out to Dave Belford. And, uh, Dave is uh, has one of the most amazing hunter programs in the U.S., uh, New Hope Farm out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And he called me because one of his clients were moving from Manhattan to Jacksonville, Florida, and they needed a home trainer. So someone who could do all of the daily lessons on uh, practice horses in the one location to get the clients ready for when they would follow Dave's show schedule uh, with their show horses. It was at first a very foreign concept. It's not a way that I grew up. I didn't even know there were home trainers and show trainers when I first started. And so I had to get educated a little bit on the demographic and kind of what the goals were for this position. It turned out to be a really great 
situation and really amazing fit that I couldn't have even dreamt of. And so I am now, uh, what my position is now is a, is a home trainer. I'm a private trainer for a family. Isha and Raina Swanee, they are always on my Instagram feed because I have so much fun with them. They have been living in Jacksonville, Florida now for just under two years. And so I give them their daily lessons uh, in Jacksonville on their perfect practice horses, Lux and Teddy, who you also see as my pony models on my equestrian style. So I am uh, teaching them at home as their, I guess, their head trainer at home. But then when they go to different horse shows, which we are, we just finished the Wellington circuit and then we pop back and forth to Kentucky. We're going to go to Lake Placid, hopefully Devon next week and indoors. We do just about everything in the hunter jumper circuit. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, the amazing thing is that I get to work alongside um, as kind of an extension of the New Hope team when I'm in Jacksonville. But then when I am at the shows, I get to kind of work as an honorary member of the New Hope team. And um, I've learned so much working with Dave Belford and Chris Payne and their team. And it's really been a blessing to learn and to kind of see that side of the industry. So that has been my job pretty early on moving to Jacksonville until present. And I, I'm so thankful for that opportunity. It's, it's really kind of perfectly fit my personality and my schedule because the other facet of my life is obviously my equestrian style and the equestrian podcast, which the blog, my equestrian style started just about right when I moved to Florida. And I was really missing photography, not necessarily weddings, because let's be honest, it was V-stressful. So I was missing photography. Besides weddings, we also photographed a lot of fashion bloggers, because in LA, every girl's a fashion blogger, which is <laughs> really fun, also really funny. And I was shooting a lot of fashion photography. Really loved that, but always in the back of my head, I was thinking, hey, I have a lot of clothes and I like to put outfits together. I should like try this sometime. And when I moved to Florida and was I finally put two and two together, I was always in riding clothes and I had fun kind of pulling pieces that were non-equestrian and wearing them with my riding clothes and would sometimes get comments um, and compliments about my different looks. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I should maybe start a blog or something, but make it equestrian specific. So at the time, so two years ago, when I was looking on Instagram and doing what I know now as market research, but before I was just, you know, searching on Instagram, some hashtags and seeing what was out there. And there really wasn't much. I could maybe list, you know, five different people tops that were that had active equestrian influencer equestrian fashion blog accounts and not even all of them had websites they were just more uh, or blogs they're more you know instagram pages so i thought that this was you know something that could either completely flop or i would be uh, one of the first to do something pretty big in this equestrian space so started and had ethan my trusty instagram husband start by taking some pictures of me and it was literally I didn't buy a single thing I put outfits together of pieces that I already owned and put some fun looks together and had him photograph me at the barn with some horses 
and it kind of just took off from there. I would, it was a lot of reaching out. So I would reach out to tons and tons of brands first asking them because at the time, uh, there weren't, you know, any like equestrian brands didn't manage with influencers or collaborate in that way. So I had to really reach out to them in terms of I'm a photographer and an equestrian. I am, you know, starting this new venture of showcasing different equestrian pieces and wanted to reach out to see if you were interested in collaborating. So in exchange for product, I would be happy to take some pictures of your pieces. I will send you all the high resolution images, but I will also post them on my Instagram account, my equestrian style. So that's how it all started and got a lot of, you know, got ghosted, got a lot of no's, but started getting some yeses. And that was really exciting. Um, as the, one of the original motivators for starting the blog was I saw all the fashion bloggers that I was photographing back in LA who got so much free product. And then some of the bigger ones were getting paid on top of the free product. And I was like, come on, this is, this is like too good to be true. (laughs) So I wanted to do that for myself for the equestrian space. Very quickly, it turned into wanting free stuff to all of a sudden being like, I don't know where to put all this stuff. (laughs) So, uh, it was very successful and extremely fun, uh, growing my equestrian style and making it to what it is today with, you know, goals to expand and morph it into something even more in these next couple years. So it has been so much fun and I could go on and on talking about MES. Uh, we'll have to do that on a later date, but, uh, that has allowed me to work with with some incredible brands and really build some partnerships that uh, now looking back have been so helpful and they are they are always on my team whenever I come out with any type of campaign or project or something like the podcast brands are always you know just ready to help me out in any way possible and I really think it was because I kind of took the time to develop those relationships deliver quality content and uh, be willing to work for free in the beginning and so that obviously transitioned to where um, I was able to you know create a platform that leveraged a media kit and pricing and packaging and all of that stuff but it started out as a hustle and as something that I really had to work hard for and thankfully I was really passionate about it because if it was a drag I don't think I would have lasted as long as I did constantly creating free content um, for any of you photographers out there free work is hard especially when it comes to taking the time to do the entire photo shoot, styling the looks, taking the pictures, going through all the pictures, editing them, uploading them, putting them on a blog post, posting it. That takes so much time, expertise, and is something that gets really draining if you're having to do it for free over and over and over takes a lot of time. So that has been really fun kind of transitioning it into a business. And uh, we'll have to touch on that more um, with detail for any of you who are interested. Make sure you maybe shoot me an email if you're interested in learning more about kind of how I transitioned into the blog into business and how I made that more of a, a for fun blog into kind of like a re- business reality. So you can just shoot me an email. Hello at my equestrian style.com. 
But then in January, I was wanting to expand my space and really wanting to provide content for people that was free and for um, just for people to learn more about the industry. Because the more I was meeting people within the industry, whether that was through the blog or just being at all of these horse shows with the girls, I realized how there are so many, the equestrian industry is such a small bubble in and of itself. But then within the bubble, there are, there are hundreds of mini bubbles of different disciplines and different levels within each discipline where people just kind of keep to themselves and they know what they know and, uh, which is fine. But then the second you want to learn about something, it kind of is, it's kind of like, where do you start? Where do you go to learn? And who do you talk to? And so I I really wanted to try to create a space for people to learn about different areas of the industry, uh, whether that's discipline or uh, level. Um, but I also wanted it to be a place where people could learn about areas of the industry that aren't normally talked about, which without getting too political or too depressing, there's lots of areas uh, that people, you know, don't, don't know about. There's disciplines that are undervalued or not recognized, uh, very much. And there's also areas of the industry that people don't really like to talk about and whether that it's not PC or, or just kind of a tricky or tough topic, not, you know, not wanting to ruffle feathers that, that I was trying to find a constructive way and a positive way to bring some of those topics out. So that's how the equestrian podcast came to be. And it has been so fun to meet all of these people and to find different ways to kind of crack open the equestrian world and allow people to learn more about it and to give their input on different topics. And um, I'm so excited for the next series, uh, Mind, Body, Soul, Equestrian, which is going to talk about all different areas of fitness and nutrition and mental health for both horse and rider. So it's going to be a really, really fun series talking about different areas that I think will help every discipline because every uh, we, we really kind of take for granted sometimes our mental, physical, and emotional health uh, when it comes to riding. And there are two athletes involved in this sport, the horse and the rider. And so I think it's going to be some really useful information. I'm so excited to share that with you. So that is a little bit about me and my journey to what I'm doing today as a rider, trainer, blogger, influencer, and podcast host. So again, if you have any questions, feel free to email me or message me on Instagram. I'm an open book, happy to answer any questions or share tips. Now I'm going to talk about something that is more geared toward young professionals who are, I think, inwardly all struggling with this topic, but don't often verbalize it. So I, when I started riding as a professional, so essentially I was getting paid to exercise ride and then um, becoming a trainer and a rider here in Florida, I was always measuring myself to this unrealistic standard. 
and most young professionals measure their their skill and their success to the same standard and it is extremely unrealistic and kind of unhealthy so to get specific i was obviously had taken time off before i had got back into riding and essentially went from taking a break to uh, taking a little time to get back, but then going right into my professional career, which uh, was primarily as a trainer. And I didn't do much showing after college. And I was kind of nervous, not going to lie. I mean, there isn't a test you have to pass or a certain skill level that you have to be to really be a professional. And so it's kind of basically, do you want to start teaching? Great. Here is the paperwork you need to fill out with a U.S. equestrian to become a professional. It's pretty easy. And I, I kind of wish there were... Um, courses or a type of certification you had to take in order to become, you know, deemed a professional, but that's not currently our situation. And so when I became a professional, there is this kind of unspoken standard where you need to be not only a perfect trainer and know everything, but you also need to be a perfect rider. And uh, that is something that I struggled with a lot in the beginning. Uh, I always was questioning if I was good enough, if I was talented enough, if I had enough experience to be a professional. I mean, not going to lie, my clients, uh, Isha and Reina, they show way more than I ever did, really more than I ever have at the ages of, you know, 13 and 16. And they're going to be on the podcast in a couple weeks. So I'm so excited to have you listen to their story. But they show all the time. And it's definitely a sport. Um, I grew up also playing golf. And it's one of those sports where the more you practice, the more you jump the eight jumps at a horse show over and over and over again, the better you're going to get. It's definitely one of those exposure sports. Yes, having the natural talent and the the work behind it, the day in and day out practice is definitely going to make you better and to really fine tune your skill set. But when it's all said and done, the more practice you have in the show ring, the better you're going to be at shows. I 100% agree with that. So the fact that I was showing, um, I mean, compared to what I'm used to right now, I was showing very minimally growing up, and I hadn't shown in a long time. Even when I was exercise riding, I wasn't jumping all that much. That's another area. A lot of young professionals, when they first start out, a very common job for a first-time professional rider or trainer is becoming an exercise rider. So joining an established team of uh, trainers who are needing the extra riders because they have a big program. And so I was like what I was doing for Nick um, over at Far West. He had a huge program, lots of horses, needed riders. And so he paid me to ride uh, horses for him every day. 
And that is a great place to start because it forces you to be practicing all the time and it gets you kind of uh, in tune with a program that is, you know, in a really good place and that's successful. But I wasn't, I mean, I didn't really start jumping, jumping consistently until I was really in, in Florida, in California, I was doing almost a hundred percent flat work, which I did. I can, I can flat a horse. Okay. That I am very comfortable doing that. However, I will say, I don't think right now I could jump in and show any random horse in a three, six performance class. And I, I just don't think that I would feel comfortable doing that. And I'm technically a professional. So there's this stereotype of needing to be perfect at all times, when in reality, an equestrian professional can mean so many things. And just because you are a trainer doesn't mean you're also a top rider or vice versa. If you are an amazing trainer, you're not always, if you're an amazing rider, sorry, you're not always an amazing trainer. And that's a stereotype that is used really very often, especially in the hunter-jumper world. So I think young professionals get really nervous and feel very self-conscious that they, once they have their professional card, they're automatically expected to not make any more mistakes. So I can never miss a distance. I can never, you know, miss a lead change or make an error or say, say something that I wasn't a hundred percent sure about, or even someone asks me a question and I say, I don't know, let me look that up. I'm telling you if more people in the industry said, I'm not sure, let me look into that and get back to you. I think we would have so many issues solved, but there's this mentality that professionals in the equestrian world have to come across like they know everything. And I'm telling you with 100% certainty, I do not know everything. And I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I know everything. And that is where every professional in any industry, they're a professional because they've been doing it for a long time and they're good at what they're doing. But... There should never be any type of standard that they know everything about everything. And so that's just something that I wanted to talk about today to encourage you if you are in a situation where you are a young professional or a professional in general trying to establish your training program or work in the industry but you have to always feel like you have to have all the answers and put all of this extra pressure on you that you um, don't need to do. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of other professionals out there that feel the same way as you did. And if we just had an open conversation about it, I think that you would be shocked how many other really established professionals don't have everything together either. And just being able to have that open conversation, I think would be amazingly helpful to all of us that, you know what, it's okay if we don't know the answers, we just need to be upfront and honest and, and figure it out. And that's how we're going to learn. And that's how we're going to establish really great programs and services. Okay, so that's me stepping off my soapbox now, but that's just something that I have felt really passionate about as a young professional that I feel like the industry hasn't really touched on all that much. So here are some practical things you can do if you are 
feeling these things. Number one, build a network of peers or friends to confide in. I think one of the easiest ways to kind of settle those anxieties and fears is to talk to people in the industry who are at the same place as you. So when I was feeling that pressure to have to be something that I wasn't at the time, it was such a relief to find other people who had been also working their butts off and been in the same position who also had lots of questions and lots of fears and expectations that they didn't feel like they were meeting. So finding a network of people to confide in and to talk to is extremely helpful in this situation. The second thing you can do is to take time to learn. Um, When I was getting stressed out about feeling like I didn't know enough, um, something Ethan always told me is like, well, why don't you take some time to learn more and to educate yourself? Like, oh yeah, I guess that's what everyone else in any other industry does. That probably makes sense. So taking the time to learn and to become an expert in your in the area that you are in is extremely important. So it should be a top priority in the equestrian industry as well. So something that I love to go to is the Learning Center um, on U.S. Equestrian. It's uscf.org slash learning center or learning dash center. And I know you all had to go on there to do your safe sports certification, but they have tons of resources on there, whether you are learning about different areas of your discipline or you want to learn about certain medications and drugs. There are so many different areas that you can learn about your sport. So I highly recommend the Learning Center. Obviously, there's plenty of other places. Just be careful what you Google because it might not be super reputable. But I highly recommend U.S. Equestrian's Learning Center. The third and final thing is to ask questions to others who know the industry, uh, like top professionals or mentors or people that you look up to within the industry. So... I would highly suggest, you know, old bosses or people you have good relationships with within the industry. I always find myself shooting a text over to Nick if I have a question or need his advice. Because, I mean, I know he was in my shoes when, when he was 26. And so it's just comforting to know that he has been there and how much time has passed and how many instances have occurred that have made him into the top professional he is today. And so talk to people that you've worked with in the past who are further along in their career than you are is extremely beneficial to me and I know it would be helpful to you also. So there you have it, a little bit about me and something that I feel like the industry doesn't talk much about. So I want to hear your honest thoughts. If you feel like these solo episodes are helpful, I will keep going with them. But if not, let me know and I can save us both some headache. (laughs) But I had a blast sharing with you and I hope you learned something. If you have any suggestions on topics or any thoughts or ideas, I always like to hear them so feel free to email me hello at myequestrianstyle.com or head over to equestrianpodcast.com and submit a form to ask a question or make a suggestion so until next time i will talk to you soon